Well, good evening. Next week is Thanksgiving. Can you believe that? Already. So uh, I wanted to announce that next Wednesday night, um, we're going to have a family service in here beginning at 7 o'clock. It'll be about an hour, hour and 15 minutes, maybe an hour and a half. And uh, the idea is we get all the families together and we just praise God. We're just going to praise God. It's going to be a night of Thanksgiving where we'll give thanks to the Lord. And also what I like to do is open a mic so people can come forward and give testimony. And uh, no complaining allowed. (laughs) Only thanksgiving. So uh, if you'd like to come out for that next week, that would be awesome. Tonight we're in Genesis chapter 25. So turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 25. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the honesty of your word. How you represent characters in your word the way they were. Flawed. Messy. We thank you for your grace that's poured out upon us because we are flawed. We are messy. We constantly need second chances. But Father, I pray that as your people, we would grow stronger in our commitment to you and your word to avoid messes, that we would become more mature, that we would stay true to what you have told us to do in your word, whether we like it or not. Be the Lord of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In the book of Genesis, we're tracking a family line. We're looking at the family line of the Messiah, the family line of Jesus. You remember all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, God said that there would be a Messiah, the seed of the woman. And so we know that the Messiah was going to be a human being, a man from the human race. But then it starts to narrow down. We find out that the Messiah is going to come from Abraham. And then through that miraculous child, Isaac. And so this family line continues tonight. Let's see where it goes, beginning in verse 20 of Genesis chapter 25. It says, Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. So here Isaac is 40 years old. He gets married when he's 40 years old, I should say, to Rebecca. And just to the case with his mother, Sarah, she was barren for many years. So was Rebecca. Rebecca was barren for many, many years. And Isaac cried out to the Lord, pleaded to the Lord, and she was able to conceive. And we find out later 
that she bore children for him when he was 60. So for 20 years, she was barren. And for 20 years, it would seem Isaac prayed. But it's interesting. You look at all of these families in the line of the Messiah and you see barrenness. And you see even supernatural births. I think all of that's preparing for the ultimate supernatural birth that would come with Jesus, the Messiah himself, born of the Virgin. So, she is pregnant, and her pregnancy is very difficult. Look what it says in verse 22. But the children struggled together within her, and she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Now, there were no sonograms in those days, right? No ultrasounds. And so she gets pregnant, and then her womb becomes very, very active. She has no idea she's carrying twins. And these twins are battling it out. It says there in English, the children struggled together within her. Literally in the Hebrew, they smashed each other. The womb was a battleground for these two guys. And it's sort of indicative of what's going to happen with these two brothers. So she goes to the Lord, what's going on? Verse 23, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, not literally. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Okay. Rebecca, you have twins. You have two in your womb. And they're going to struggle. They're not going to be all cute like the twins on the left. These two guys, they're going to struggle. They're going to fight. And they're eventually going to become nations. And they're going to be hostile towards each other. And, and notice what is clearly communicated. The older will serve the younger. The firstborn, the first one out, will serve the secondborn. The second one out. Now, this is what God told Rebecca, and you have to believe that Rebecca would eventually tell Isaac, and eventually those two boys would know. That was the very clear promise and will of God for that family. Now, some of them may not have liked it. Some of them may have even disagreed with it. But that was the will of God. And so as a family, they should have gathered around that. They should have worked towards that. They should have let everyone know about that. But as you'll see, they don't. And it gets really, really messy for this family. Look what it says in verse 24. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. 
And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over, sort of like a Christmas sweater. No. So they called his name Esau. Now, I don't think this guy was very good looking. He comes out and he is just this red, hairy man. And he would be hairy for the rest of his life, by the way. And red and ruddy. They called his name Esau, which is very close to a Hebrew word that means literally hairy. Verse 26, afterward, his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. Where are you going? Get back in here. I'm coming out first. So his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Jacob is holding on to the heel. Now, being at the heels of someone initially means something positive. It means you're protecting someone from behind. If God was at the heel of your life, that means he's watching you from behind. But it wouldn't be a positive name for Jacob. He would be a heel catcher, a supplanter. He is a conniver. He's one of the most conniving characters in all of Scripture. A supplanter. A deceiver. That's Jacob. Very, very different. Very, very different from Esau. Look what it says in verse 27. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. You'd wonder, how did these guys, are they brothers? Are they twins, really? Esau is your quintessential mountain man. He is the outdoors man. He is rough. He is tough. He's bearded. He's the manly man, right? Jacob's the homebody. Jacob hangs out in the tents. It says he's mild. Some assume that that means he was sort of effeminate. It's not the case. Mild is actually a Hebrew word that means, you know, whole, gentle, quiet. Just completely different. Polar opposites. Isn't it amazing how God can create people so differently? Well, look what happens to these brothers as they get a little bit older. Verse 29. Now Jacob cooked a stew. No doubt gourmet, right? He is the chef. He's the cook. He minds the kitchen. Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field. And he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I'm weary. Oh, that's your famous red stew. Oh, I'm starving. Give me some of that. Therefore, his name was called Edom. That was another nickname for Esau, who means Edom means red. Verse 31, but Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. Esau said, look, I'm about to die. 
What is this birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So incredibly, he, Esau, swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he, Esau, ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. The most expensive bowl of soup in all of history. Now there's so much wrong here. There's so much going on. Number one, there's still a question over to who has the birthright. Now the family should have settled that by now. Because God had said, who gets the birthright? Who gets the birthright? The younger. That should have been settled. So here we have Jacob trying to buy something that he already had. And Esau's selling something that he doesn't have. Now if the family had gotten together and talked and submitted themselves to the word of the Lord, there wouldn't have been any of these issues. But here we have two brothers kind of going at it. Now, Jacob, he's cruel, isn't he? He's conniving. He's calculating. He's deceptive. He's manipulating. He waits till his brother's starving. Oh, stew. Would you like some stew? He's self-serving. He's taken advantage. But you notice that that's not really mentioned here. What's really emphasized here at the end of the chapter is, thus Esau what? Despised his birthright. Here's a guy who despised his birthright. Now understand this. The birthright, man, that was a big deal. If you got the birthright, you got a double portion of your dad's inheritance. And also you became the the priest and the tribal head of that family after the dad died. So you were in charge of the estate. You got a double portion. You were to take responsibility for the family financially, spiritually, in all those ways. It was a very, very big deal. And Esau sold that for a bowl of soup. Despised it. Now Jacob, at least he knew what what it was worth. Now, a lot of times, and I used to think this way about Esau, I used to think he was sort of just kind of the dumb jock who was easily, you know, manipulated out of things. Not so. I mean, this was actually a really bad guy who didn't give a whole lot of care or concern about spiritual matters. In fact, he is mentioned in the book of Hebrews. Let me just read it to you. In Hebrews chapter 12, there's a warning. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Esau was a fornicator. We know that he he would eventually have three pagan wives. Two of them would cause his parents great agony. And he's also called in Hebrews chapter 12... Profane. Profane is a word that means the person who's outside the holy assembly. The person who lives outside the temple. 
the secular one, the profane one, the one who could care less about spiritual things. And that was Esau. That was Esau. He got himself a bowl of soup. Mmm. Bowl of soup. We incredibly have a hard time believing this, that he would do such a thing. But I'll tell you what, there are Christians that are doing the same thing all the time. Unfortunately, I've known good, solid Christian men who have even been in the ministry. Who for just a few moments of pleasure... thrown it all away. Bowl of soup. I've known really good Christian men and women for just a few moments of pleasure contract an STD and it affects their life for the rest of their life. Bowl of soup. I've known people who have thrown it away. For a bowl of soup. And, and really, I think I'd like to challenge all of us as Christians tonight. Examine your life. Is there anything, you know, as Christians, God has given us, so, we've got a birthright, man. We've got an incredible package that God has blessed us with. You can look at the blessings in Ephesians chapter 1. God has blessed us with every heavenly blessing in the spiritual, right? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. All of these blessings. And so many times we forget about all that. We trade that for a bowl of soup. Something in this world. Something in this world that we just can't do without. Give me the soup. And it ends up causing so much pain. Don't be like Esau. Live above that. All right. He lost his birthright. Okay. Several years passed. Turn to Genesis chapter 27. Isaac is a much older man now. Look what we read in verse 1. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. He's going blind. That he called Esau, his son, and said to him, My son. And he answered him, Here I am. Then he said, Behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, I may have skipped that verse back in 25, but did, did you notice that Isaac favored Esau? 
And who did Rebecca favor? Jacob. Now, that's another terrible thing to do, by the way, parent. Terrible thing to do. So Isaac favored Esau. And here at the end of his life, he says he's old and he wants to give Esau that blessing. Now, by the way, he's 137 years old at this point. He thinks he's going to die. He'll actually live 43 years longer. Okay, so he lives to be 180. So he's still got 43 years of life left. But he says, you know what? I'm going to bless. I want to give the blessing to Esau. So Esau, go get me some of that yummy food. Bring it to me. And I'm going to bless you. By the way, in all of the pictures that I found of these, this story between Jacob and Esau at this uh, time, you know, and you might even think back in Sunday school, the, the men seem younger. They're really not. Isaac's 137. That means Isaac, or Isaac's 137. That means that Jacob and Esau are 77-year-old men. So you got a bunch of, you know, older people acting like adolescents. I mean, just craziness. Now, I believe that Isaac is in total rebellion here. He's going to bless Esau when he knows that Jacob should get the blessing. But he's going to do it this way. Verse 5. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. You know, I think women are omnipresent. I used to, my mom heard everything when I was growing up. She saw everything. Rebecca heard this. She's listening. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. Okay, I'll take care of the meal. And by the way, Isaac wouldn't notice the difference between a meal that Rebecca could cook and one that Esau could prepare. You go in, you bring the meal, he's blind. He'll bless you. Thinking you're Esau. Verse 11 Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. And I am a smooth skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him. I shall seem to be a deceiver? <laughs> and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But check his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go. 
get them for me. Oh, man, this woman is crafty, self-serving. Look at this family manipulating one another. Verse 15, then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son, so that he would smell like the outdoorsman. This woman has it all thought out. All thought out. She put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. This guy must have looked ridiculous, right? Then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. So here comes this, this guy in a, hall of, a costume, right? Goat hair. Man, Esau must have been hairy, you think? Verse 18, so he went to his father and said, my father... And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. Flat out lie. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Now here you're bringing God into a lie. Here's a man bringing God into a lie. You ever heard a Christian do that? Oh, the Lord told me. Lord said this or that. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near, verse 21, that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, are you really my son, Esau? And he said, I am. I am. He said, verse 25, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Now I think... That was a painfully long meal. I mean, can you imagine his dad's taking his time eating this meal and Jacob's looking at home. Esau's coming. How tense that must have been. Then, verse 26, his father Isaac said to him, come now, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said. Now he's, one more last test. Does this guy smell like my son Esau? It's incredible. So here comes the blessing. Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field 
which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of the heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. Jacob got the blessing. It was legit. The dad thinks he's blessing Esau, but he's blessing Jacob, and Jacob got it. This is a blessing that can't be taken back. This is Isaac placing all of that birthright and all that blessing upon Jacob. Verse 30. Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob... And Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father. Can you imagine if he bumped into Jacob dressed in his clothes and goat hair? Hmm. Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. But he, Isaac, said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. Esau said, verse 36, Is he not rightly named Jacob? He supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. No, Esau, you despise your birthright. And now look, he's taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, indeed, I have made him your master. And all his brethren, I've given to him his servants with grain and wine have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, oh, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of the heaven from above. Literally, away from that. Your dwelling shall be away from the fatness of the earth. You'll be out in the wilderness. Verse 40, by your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. You guys are going to separate, but you're going to live by the sword. It's going to be a tough life for you, Esau. Now that's hard, isn't it? That's hard. And I submit to you that it didn't have to be that way. Had this family done things The right way. Verse 41. 
So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So, you know, everyone thinks Isaac's about to kick the bucket, right? He's still got several more years to live. But Esau's plotting. As soon as he dies and we go through the morning, I will murder Jacob. I'll kill my brother. Hostility between Jacob and Esau. Jacob would become Israel. Esau would become Edom. There would be hostility between those two nations for many years. One of the most famous Edomites in all of history is a guy by the name of Haman that you read about in the book of Esther. Who wanted to annihilate the Jews. The Edomites disappear from history. Though they do show up and they're the Idumeans who become the Herods in the days of Christ. And you remember one Herod would try to execute all of the babies in Bethlehem. So, I mean, you got a group of people that are against Israel. This conflict would be strong throughout history. So Esau hated Jacob, and he was planning to kill Jacob. Verse 42, in the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah, Omnipresent Rebecca. She's got her little moles everywhere, right? She knows all that's going on. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him how long? Just a few days until your brother's fury turns away. Until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you've done to him. Mm. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife for the daughters of Heth, like those who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me. So Rebecca thinks of a story to tell her husband Isaac. You know, I think we need to send Jacob away. When really it's just get Jacob out of Dodge because she know Esau wants to kill him. What a mess. What a mess. I want you to think about what happens to this family. Because they failed to just simply submit themselves to the word of God. Now, again, God had told them straightforward what was required. Some of them didn't like it. But they could have just simply obeyed the Lord on that. And things would have gone much better. They could have worked together through it. But now, what do we have? Well, Isaac... As the dad is watching the disintegration of his family. The family is splitting. 
Isaac was in rebellion. Isaac tried to do something that he knew was against the Lord's will. Isaac favored one son over the other. He paid the price. Rebecca. Now you might say, well, she was just trying to get the will of the Lord accomplished, right? That's not how you accomplish the will of God. You don't do it deceitfully. You don't manipulate. You don't dress up your son in goat hair. The foolishness of all this. You know what? Jacob would leave. And Rebecca would think it would be for just a few days. As it turns out, Jacob would be gone for 20 plus years. And this was the last time mom would see her son. She would die before Jacob ever comes back. A mom losing a son. Such pain, such heartbreak. Jacob. Well, Esau. Let's do Esau first. His life's a mess. His life will be a mess. He loses his brother. Jacob. Now, you might think Jacob got away, Scott. Clean. No. Jacob's going to go and he's going to live 20 years with his uncle named Laban. Who's a much worse conniver than he is. And for 20 years, Jacob will be deceived by his uncle, Laban, who also, by the way, used costumes. Remember the two wives? Jacob, he, he gets the wool over his eyes too as well. I mean, he gets deceived. He gets manipulated for 20 years. You know, God will work with Jacob. God, you do not do the work of the Lord the way Jacob did it. You don't do it that way. And it will take many, many years, but God will humble Jacob. And by the way, God will eventually even humble Esau. Many, many years later, these two guys will meet again. And there will be a reconciliation. Though the long-term results will still be there. Does it surprise you that we have stories like this in the lineage of Messiah? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you think that these families would be leave it to beaver, clean? But actually, you look at the, at the families leading up, and, and you find out that it's, it's messy, folks. The human race is messy. It's messy. And out of that comes the Messiah. To save us from our mess. One commentator said, and I love this, the lesson behind all of this is that God delights to have his men and women work in glad cooperation with him 
But should they freely choose not to cooperate, they will eventually discover that God works despite their having chosen not to allow him to work with them. Did what God say get done? What did God say? The older will serve the younger. The will of God got done. And it could have gotten done a lot better and nicer had everyone cooperated. But they didn't. And so it was ugly. And it was messy. And there was heartbreak. What really stands out to me with this story, and, and I'll tell you, I look over my life, Christian, non-Christian. There have been times in my life as a Christian where there was something that I got involved in, and it was totally against the word. And it created a mess. I'm telling you, it will always create a mess. Christian, obey the word of God. Obey the word of God. Obey what the Bible says about you being a wife and a mom in a family. You obey what the Bible says about being a dad and a husband in a family. You obey what the Bible says about being a child. In a family. You obey what the Bible says about being a single man or a single woman. If you don't, mess. Mess. The Bible is there to protect us folks isn't it God's word is there to protect us there may be parts in the word that you don't like but it's still there to protect you trust it live by it work by it now you also see throughout scripture and even through the story the grace of God if you've blown it there's grace God can bring you back now, there may, be, there may be consequences, but there's still grace. Never forget, Jesus came to save us. Let's bow our heads. Let's consider the word tonight. You may be sitting here tonight in, in a mess. You made a mess of your life. And you'd have to just simply say, yep, I did it. I went for some soup. I got off track. Oh, my brother, oh, my sister. You can come back to him. You can be forgiven. But stop doing the soup.
Move on. Move forward in your Christian life. Mature, grow up. Repent. Turn the corner. If that's you tonight, I want to give you an opportunity to just simply come back to the Lord. Come back to him. You could pray in the quietness of your heart. Say, Lord, this is me. I desperately need your help. Clean up the mess I made. I come to you right now. Restore me. Restore me. There's hope with you. Take my life back. Oh, he will. He will. Don't give up. Don't give up. If you're still living, if you're still breathing, God has a plan for you. Father, I'd like to pray for all of us here tonight. I'm sure that we can all look into our lives and see these things that we try to hold on to in this world that robs us of greater things, things that you want to do in and through our lives. And I pray that we would just give that to you tonight. We just give that to you, offer that to you. Make us strong, Lord. Keep us on the right path. Father, I pray that we would all here be committed to your word and to what you say is true and that we would do our best to stay on that path. Fill us with your Holy Spirit afresh. Lead us on that path that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.